Welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I'm Taylor, and as always, I'm here with my friend and coworker, Mark. Mark, how's it going today? It's good. I'm excited to be here. Good. Do you have your coffee this morning, or do you have an energy drink? No, I'm doing a I'm doing a blackberry. It's actually new, a highball blackberry. So I don't know if you can see that. So, and so it's no sugar. It's like sparkling water, you know, but with energy. So it's a much better option than Red Bull, which I normally drink. So I'm trying. This is a little bit of a healthier option. Well, I was going through my Instagram stories archive the other day, and I had a video from about this time in 2018. I started my job in August 2018. I had a video from September 2018 of you and I in an elevator in our old office building, and you were literally bouncing off the walls because you had had two of those Mountain Dew energy drinks that you used to drink. And that, I think, was a wake-up call for all of us that you needed to stop consuming those drinks. Those amps are so delicious, and they're so good. When you have more than one of them, they give you too much energy. But it's great if it's like a midnight drive where you can't stay awake. Like That is the one thing that can guarantee you'll stay awake. You might not sleep for 24 hours, but you'll stay awake. My skin still acts like that of a teenage girl, and if I had that much sugar in my system my face would just explode. (laughs) Like just period. I wouldn't stand a chance. It would just, it would just erupt. Speaking of my face exploding, my brains were about to explode the other day when I heard about the deal that Metro Nashville wanted to make to try to get the RNC. Well, I wouldn't say Metro Nashville, but it was only because only a few members of the council wanted to do this. But the deal that they wanted to make with the state to try to get the RNC, and I think it was the World Cup, but specifically the RNC, to come to Nashville. Things like permissions for impact fees and exclusionary zoning, basically trading two really bad policies for one convention that would last a few days. Mark, why was that so insane? I mean, I I think I've pretty well articulated it, but you got any thoughts about why it would be so insane? to trade impact fees and inclusionary zoning for one convention in Nashville. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, the thing is, they were trying to hold them hostage, the legislature. Yes. They could have the RNC. They're the ones who voted against it. It's not like they don't want it here. And they're saying, you know what? We don't want it here because we disagree with their politics. The Metro Council, if it was the Democratic National Convention, I'm sure there'd be no issues with it. But they didn't want this convention. They're saying, you know what? We can maybe get some stuff in exchange for this Thing will be a great economic impact for the city of Nashville. Now, I, I'm kind of on the fence on this because, of course, we want these kind of conventions there. I just don't know what it's going to cost from taxpayers. But the idea of holding you know, something like this hostage because of your political leanings and the fact that you don't agree with the party in power. You know, mayors for years and years and years say, you know what, I don't care if it's my party, it's going to be a big economic impact for our city. I mean, Milwaukee, who, who seems to be the front runner right now, that's a city run by Democrats. And, and they seem fine with it because they understand the economic boon it's going to bring. Uh, again, as long as we're not putting a bunch of tax dollars into it, I think it's great. So I think that what happened was Metro Council overplayed their hand and they thought, you know what, we'll get this money in this and we'll be able to force them to also do these other horrible policies that we want. Um, and it just did not work out for them. And, you know, ultimately the the city of Nashville and the state of Tennessee is going to suffer a bit from this because we're not getting this. And I've always had just such a weird thing for conventions. I hate it personally. It brings in a ton of traffic. It makes it impossible to go anywhere. Uh, but of course, it's also a positive for the city and the business centers and all those things. And as long as we're not putting our tax dollars out to bring them here, I think those are great. And as long as we're not enacting two really bad policies in exchange for it, 
if everything had been neutral, policy neutral, taxpayer cost neutral, the people who come here have to pay for it, whatever, that would have been fine. But the whole way this was done is, in my opinion, the reason that people distrust people in politics is we're going to make all these deals and we're going to get what we want and we're going to put things in place that do not benefit the residents and the taxpayers just to be able to do this one thing. And I, for one, am thankful that we will not see impact fees and inclusionary zoning in exchange for this. Like that is that would have been an absolute disaster for homeowners. It would have driven up the price of homes even more in Nashville. It would have been an absolute disaster. So if they want to strike a good deal, a fair deal and bring conventions here, I'm for it. I'll go home to Aniston and hang out with my mom while the convention is in town because I cannot handle it, but I'm for it. But these these bad shady deals, man, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that this one didn't happen. <laughs> I think truly the Metro Nashville Council needs to take a look at themselves in the mirror and say, was this political? And I think the answer is yes. And you say, if this was the DNC, would we have said yes to? And I think that's a real problem where these people who claim to be for citizens and claim to say, you know what, we want to care about these small business owners, we want to care about this community, to basically pick politics over kind of what they think is right because they don't I don't think it's a moral obligation to conventions they bring conventions all the time so if it's not that and and if they even said you know what we don't want to put tax dollars in that fine but they made a political decision based on the party that is you know 90% of the metro council even though it's you know I mean, we know where they stand, even though they might not be registered that way. You can't see where, what party there are. They identify as Democrats, and they didn't want the opposing party to come to Nashville. And I think it's a, I think it's a really sad commentary on where we're at as a country right now. And, and I, I think it speaks very low about the, you know, about the Metro Council generally, and and what they're actually trying to do for citizens of Nashville. Yeah, it's very sad for Nashville and for Tennessee and for people who actually want to see fairness in how government decisions are made to see something like this go on. It's it's a bummer. I don't know if there is a point of redemption in the future for them, but I'm not holding my breath for it. And that's kind of bleak, but... Yeah, I mean, just don't be overtly political. These are things for your city. It doesn't matter where you... Every pretty much... I, I don't know if this has happened previously, because pretty much every city that is a, a finalist for any of these conventions, DNC or RNC, it's like... Is bringing out, rolling out the red carpet, trying to get them to come there. It's it's weird to have a city basically say, no, we don't want you here. Yeah. It's sad to see Nashville trending in this direction, especially when there are conventions at the Music City Center like every single week. Which we pay for. <laughs> we pay for the Music City Center. I know. Excellent point, Mark. Taxpayers paid for it. If it's that big of a deal, put it to a vote. Slap it on a ballot. See what people really think of things like this. But that's never going to happen. And I also think it's too little of a deal to put on a ballot. But you know what I mean? We paid for it. So we should have a say in in what's going on. Anyway, I digress. I could talk about this all day. Um, Nancy Pelosi is in Taiwan. Okay. I don't have a smooth transition to get into that because this is a big deal. Nancy Pelosi is in Taiwan. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. A lot of people didn't think it was actually going to happen. Let's talk about how insane a country has to be to say if a politician goes to from the United States goes to another country we're going to shoot her plane out of the air what in the world first you've got Russia attacking Ukraine then China threatening to attack Taiwan and because the US is recognizing this democratic sovereignty of Taiwan and sending a politician there 
the Chinese are threatening to shoot her plane out of the sky. What in the world is going on in their brains? I don't understand. I mean, we can't say the Chinese. It was one random kind of, you know, propaganda for the government. It's not like the official government said they're going to shoot a plane out of it. I know they don't like it. Sure. But the president of China on a phone call with President Biden said something like those who play with fire will be punished by fire. Something to that effect. That's a threat. I think it's a threat. I don't think it's a physical threat. I think that might say, you know what, it might be a trading threat. It might be something they're going to do, you know, with our trade deals. I don't think it's a physical threat. Maybe. Either way, if I had been Nancy Pelosi, I would have I would have stayed at home after that. I would have gone. I think that you have to give her credit. For sure. You know, this is a, a big deal. I don't think a I think she's the highest ranking person to visit Taiwan in like 25 years from the US government. Since 1997. And at a time where, you know, people are the NBA is af- afraid to stand up to China. There's so many organizations that are afraid to stand up to China. The fact that we have somebody as high ranking as Nancy Pelosi going there, it's a really big deal. And it's a really big deal for, you know, Taiwan's sovereignty. And as we talked about before, you know, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you wondered, is China going to do this to Taiwan? And and kind of these these outward shows of support from America, it it makes it a lot harder for them to do that because they're saying, you know, we clearly stand with Taiwan, which is a real country, uh, despite what John Cena says, uh, it is definitely a real country. And um, it's, it's, it's actually a super encouraging thing. Cause of course, you know, I don't always care for Nancy Pelosi. I don't always care for, you know, the policy she pushes. Um, but I think this is a really great step. And it's something that, uh, you know, I think Americans can be proud of and say, we're standing with, you know, this country, Taiwan, that, that, they deserve independence and they are independent. So it's just a show of support to say we recognize them as a legitimate country that we're going to meet with. So I, my hat's off to Nancy Pelosi. Good for her. Yes. When I said I would have stayed at home once I had heard the crazy propaganda commentator and then also the phone call that President Z had with President Biden, I was saying that as like, I am amazed that she went. I think that takes extraordinary bravery to know, even with all the security that I'm sure she has. Sometimes things can't be stopped. And she said, I'm doing this anyway. I'm recognizing the democracy of Taiwan. You know me. You know how I feel about democracy. It's like I I will stand for it every day of my life. And I just think that that was I'm the last person to ever compliment Nancy Pelosi. But you got to give credit where credit's due. That is a brave woman to go and do that. And I think it's it's really cool. The show of support. And I'll be the first one to say, I don't quite understand all the geopolitical factors, but it would be absolutely shocking if China actually did anything to her. Those are, those are clearly empty threats in my mind because they don't want to get into a war with us. <laughs> and we, if you shoot down the plane, if you shoot down the plane, you know, of, of the, of the majority speaker of the house, that is grounds for getting into war. So I don't think they would ever do it. I feel like they are probably empty threats, but I understand why, even though you might be 95 or 98% sure it's an empty threat. Like if you're, if you're one of that one or 2% wrong, you might die. So I understand that there's still some, there's still some risk there, but I, I think, you know, I would have liked to think that if I was in her position, I would have had no problem going. And I'm really glad she didn't. I think it's a, a good time to put, you know, we, we, we always hear about these partisan politics, put it aside and say, you know, I think the Republicans should say great job, Nancy Pelosi. I think they should say, thank you for standing for, you know, the independence of a free country of Taiwan. Well, you're braver than me. I read in Axios this morning that the Chinese had planned military uh, exercises in the South China Sea through her entire stay in Taiwan. So they're they're doing everything they can to flex and like, you know, like when peacocks show their feathers and they're doing it to assert dominance. 
they're like peacocking and trying to show their dominance. And it's just not, it's kind of desperate looking. It's kind of sad, but nevertheless, with me and my anxiety, I would have stayed at home, but y'all are braver than I am for sure. They know how to put on a show. That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. Um, you know who else knows how to put on a show is all of these MLB teams that had all of us sweating yesterday at the trading deadline to see what was going to happen with our teams. We got to talk about something fun to detract from bad policy and Nancy Pelosi and Taiwan. So let's talk about baseball. I think I speak for at least half of the Beacon team, if not all of us, and most of the baseball fans in America. When I say the trading deadline day, it keeps the girls sweating. You're just waiting to see who's going to end up in your bullpen, who's going to end up on your team. It is, it's stressful. Mark, what, what are some of the observations you made on the trading uh, during the week leading up to the trading deadline and yesterday? Yeah, well, there's a lot of trades that people thought were going to happen that didn't. And the big, I think I read, you know, somewhere they said it might be the biggest trade deadline in history that Juan Soto, you know, the star 23-year-old from the Nationals went to the Padres, um, along with Josh Bell, who is a really good player. I think that a lot of people aren't really understanding how big of an impact he's going to have. So the Padres basically went from a very mediocre, you know, probable playoff team to a World Series contender. You saw some other teams compete for the World Series who, who did some stuff. I and mean, we talked about, um, we'll talk about the Braves later, but the, the Twins did a lot of great things that people aren't talking about. Tyler Mayo is a fantastic starter from the Reds. They got an all-star closer, Jorge Lopez. They got another almost all-star closer, Michael Fulmer. So they did a really good job with their bullpen. And the Dodgers did some weird stuff. But they got Joey Gallo, who was like the, you know, the guy who was paid a ton of money, has really disappointed. The Yankees fans had been booing him and he gets a new, he gets a fresh start and it might be good for him. And, and I saw as bad as he has been over the past year and a half, he's still been better than Cody Bellinger, I know. who is starting for the Dodgers right now. So they may have gotten an upgrade and they got him at a real deep discount that could proved to be something you know great for them and um the Phillies did a great job they got some real good starting pitching including Thor I don't know if you know a cinder guard with the, he's got the Thor hair so they call him Thor oh no I know <laughs> okay so they got they got him and uh some closure so no it, it's really interesting and some of these top teams and kind of the before uh, the Astros did a lot, but beforehand it's kind of the Yankees and the Dodgers, and instead of kind of two teams that could win, it seems like it's up to about seven or eight. And and we'll talk about the um, the Braves, but they're kind of right on that cusp of like, I'm not sure if they're just a good team that's going to make the playoffs or if they can compete for another World Series. They're kind of, I think we'll find out in the next two months what they are. Is it bad that when you said, when you mentioned that Cody Bellinger is not doing well, I cackled like an evil witch. I, there's just something in me that just can't stand him. And when you said he's, he's not doing great, I just, it like a cackle erupted me, like it out of me, like an evil witch. Um, let's talk about the Braves for a second. Let's, so you pointed out to me that one of my favorite players, he's not great. Okay. I'm just going to get it out there. And I know not good. Forget not great. <laughs> Here, Adrianza, I think I'm saying his name right. I just love him. He became a U.S. citizen last year and he posted all over his Instagram about how proud he was to be an American and it melted me. And so seeing him come back to the Braves, man, I know, I know he's not a star, but I just love him. And so that was probably the highlight of my trade day. Now, I will say the highlight of my week has been Austin Riley's 10-year contract, um, especially after he absolutely smacked the ball on Sunday and on a walk-off run and, and a win for the Braves. But 
I love Austin Riley. I think he and his family are precious. I think he's a good player. I think he's good for team morale. This has nothing to do with trade day. I'm just saying, I'm so glad he's here to stay. Mark, let's talk about some of the Braves trades. I want to talk about Adriana, Adriana first. I'm sorry, I don't even say his name right. But I would love America too if I could make you know millions of dollars and hit 179 for the season. Like what a great country. You could be terrible at baseball and still get a bunch of money. So it's cool that Braves brought him back. I mean, he wasn't a big part of last year's World Series. But I mean, he plays a lot of positions. And, and the Braves is some other weird stuff that we talked about. I they, they added Robbie Grossman, which I really like. I think Robbie Grossman is a very good utility player. He he may start, and obviously you have um a couple guys who are out for a while on the outfield. So he'll start in the meantime, and he's kind of a guy you can hit, you know, both sides and, and is very good defensively. Um, I didn't understand they traded Will Smith, who was a big part of their um a big part of their World Series run last year. I'm really sad about that. I When I got that ESPN alert yesterday, I was like working and my phone was like, tread like going off with all these ESPN alerts, like trade alert, trade alert, trade alert. Um, that was the one that I was probably most sad about and didn't really understand. I don't know if you have any insight on that. I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Well, so I did read about it. But I mean, it's really hard to find a high leverage left hander out of your bullpen. Those are really hard to find. That's good like that. But essentially, he costs too much money and they have to have him for even more money next year. And he's getting older. But it, it was just a strange trade because like they view themselves or obviously made other moves to kind of say like we were trying to get better, but they did not get better by getting Jake Odorizzi, who I mean, is, is fine. And he's a starter, which I guess they can use. But it's hard to get rid of one of the top end left handed you know relievers in baseball for a, a very mediocre starter. So I wasn't sure what they did with that. And they overpaid a lot. Um, they got Rice Iglesias, who is a fine, you know, closer. But I mean, he has had a hard time hitting the strike zone this year. I mean, he's he's walking guys left and right. He's got great stuff, but they gave up some young prospects for him. Matt Davidson is a good prospect and giving him up for, you know, a very mediocre closer who can't find the plate sometimes. It was just a weird trade deadline for for them. Um, I think that they they won in the way that like the Mets didn't get better either. Which is whew. <laughs> Wipe the sweat off on there. Yeah, because they're competing for that division. But instead of them and the Mets, with all the moves that was made, were made in Philadelphia, that could end up being a three-way race now because the Phillies got way, way better. They added a ton of bullpen support, and they added a really good starter. So this could end up being, even though they're up nine games, it's going to be a three-way race for the division. Of course, you know, probably a wild card spot as well. So it'll be interesting. I don't love what the Braves did. I think they could have used, you know, a couple more bats and and potentially another starter. And, you know, it, it was just a weird trade deadline for them, especially because they made, in my opinion, I said this last year, they made such a splash of the trade deadline and no one really talked about them because they're like, oh, nobody cares about Jorge Soler. But you did. Let me just tell everyone, when we won the World Series, Mark and I got on the podcast, if you were, had, weren't listening to the podcast last year and you're new to this, Mark got on the podcast and he goes, what did I say? What did I tell you? That y'all's the the trade deadline was the point that turned the entire season around for you guys. Mark keeps an eye on these things and he keeps me abreast of all the knowledge because I can't pay attention to everything all at the same time. But you do. And so I if you're saying this wasn't as good as last year, I'm gonna I'm going to just watch the rest of the season and on a hope and a prayer. <laughs> I mean, Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall were just such big additions. And I mean, nobody nobody really paid attention because I think that everyone had kind of counted the Braves out because they knew Acuna was out. But these were big additions. And I still don't think they won the World Series, but I knew that that was going to propel them to at least win the division. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you got much better. Um, I do think, you know, the Braves will make the playoffs, but I don't see them making much noise as it's. 
But now you have to remember the trade deadline is is the first thing. Now you have buyouts. Now you have a couple of teams saying, you know what, we don't want to pay you anymore. So that's where you know the Braves can add some, maybe add some talent with other guy, other teams buying out some like decent players. I told Justin I would have loved to see the Braves get Whit Merrifield from the Royals. They did not, and the and the you know the the Blue Jays actually got him instead. But that would have been a huge addition. So we're excited. We'll have to keep talking about baseball down the stretch here. I love when we get to talk about baseball and football. This is my favorite time of the year. Before we go, uh, some interesting news came out last week about celebrities. We all know and we all hear celebrities love to virtue signal at us common folk for carbon emissions and for how we treat the climate. And yet they are out flying on their private jets and racking up carbon emissions. Taylor Swift being number one, Floyd Mayweather being number two. The list came out last week and all of these celebrities have racked up so many carbon emissions. And listen, I'm just going to say it right now. If I had the money for a private jet, honey, I'd get one because I hate driving and I hate paying for flights. I'm not I'm not knocking the use of a private plane. What I'm knocking here is how we get virtue signaled and preached at and hollered at by these celebrities. And then they go and do the exact thing they're preaching and hollering about and rack up their own carbon emissions. I believe that the tweet that I read said, oh, I have it right here. Okay. It said, Taylor Swift has emitted more CO2 this year than an average U.S. American does within 550 years and more than a person from India in over 4,300 years. Okay, so with that, I don't want to hear anything else about climate and carbon emissions from celebrities. Mark. Take it away. <laughs> I mean, they want you to make sacrifices that they're not willing to make, right? They want people who are making, you know, $30,000 a year to say, oh, no, you need to figure out a way to get an electric car um, because, you know, the gas, even though you can't afford it. Um, but meanwhile, these people who are multi, multi, they can't even fly commercial. That's how, you know, selfish they are for these causes they're supposed to believe in. So, I mean, I think what it tells you is not that they're inconsistent. It tells you they don't really believe in these causes in the first place. They don't care. They think that it's, they think it's going to help them get fans or it's going to make them seem responsible as they get more money for their next album or movie or whatever. And it's just, it's all trash. Um, everything that they don't believe in anything. And I, I, I really do believe a lot of these Hollywood people who talk so much about, Oh, we're losing democracy. We're doing these things. I think you go into the ballot box. I've been a lot of them vote for different parties than you think for it. They, they, they have this persona where they're like, Oh, let me talk about how much I hate all these people and all these conservatives are ruining America. And then they vote a different way. So I think it's just another example of the insane hypocrisy, but more so they don't care about these issues. If a celebrity is telling you something, just assume they don't actually care about what they're saying. That's a fun way to think about it. I love when you paint with broad strokes and you say things like celebrities have no principles. (laughs) No celebrities. (laughs) It's like, it's such a hot take, such painting with a broad stroke, but you're not wrong for the most part. Gosh, I love it. Well, if anyone out there is listening and wants to buy me a private jet, I think I made it very clear that I do not, I'm not opposed to that. uh, And I would welcome any gifts. Mark, you got any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? Nope, we're good. See you next week. All right. Well, for Taylor, Mark, and the entire Beacon team, this has been Decaf. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we will catch you next week.